Day 10, the third story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Translated by J. M. Rigg. Day 10, the third story. Mitridanes, holding Nathan in despite by reason of his courtesy, journeys with intent to kill him, and falling in with him unawares, is advised by him how to compass his end. Following his advice, he finds in him a caups, and, recognizing him, is shame-stricken, and becomes his friend. Verily like to a miracle, seemed it to all to hear that the prelate had done aught with magnificence. But when the ladies had made an end of their remarks, the king bade Philostrato follow suit, and forthwith Philostrato began. Noble ladies, great was the magnificence of the king of Spain, and perchance a thing unheard of, the magnificence of the abbot of Cluny. But peradventure twill seem not a whit less marvellous to you to hear of one who, to show liberality towards another, did resolve artfully to yield to him his blood, nay, his very life, for which the other thirsted, and had so done, had the other chosen to take them, as I shall show you in a little story. Beyond all question, if we may believe the report of a certain Genoese, and other folk that have been in those regions, there dwelt of yore in the parts of Cathay one Nathan, a man of noble lineage, and incomparable wealth, who, having a seat hard by a road, by which whoso would travel from the west eastward, or from the east westward, must needs pass, and being magnanimous and liberal, and zealous to approve himself such in act, did set on work, cutting artificers, not a few, and cause one of the finest and largest and most luxurious palaces that were ever seen, to be there built, and furnished in the goodliest manner, with all things meet, for the reception and honorable entertainment of gentlemen. And so, keeping a great array of excellent servants, he courteously and hospitably did the honors of his house, to whoso came and went, in which laudable way of life he persevered, not until only the east, but well nigh all the west had heard of his fame, which thus, what time he was well stricken in years, albeit not for that cause grown weary of showing courtesy, reached the ears of one Mitrodanes, a young man of a country not far distant, who, knowing himself to be no one less wealthy than Nathan, grew envious of the renown that he had of his good deeds, and resolved to obliterate, or at least to obscure it, by a yet greater liberality. So he had built for himself a palace like that of Nathan, of which he did the honors with a lavish courtesy that none ever equaled to whosoever came or went that way, and verily in a short while he became famous enough. Now it so befell that on a day when the young man was all alone in the courtyard of the palace there came in by one of the gates a poor woman who asked him an alms and had it, but not content therein came again to him by the second gate and asked another alms and had it and after the like sort did even unto the twelfth time but she returning for the thirteenth time my good woman quoth mitridanes thou art not a little pertinacious in thy begging howbeit he gave her an alms whereupon ah the wondrous liberality of nathan quoth the beldam thirty-two gates are there to his palace by which every one of them I have entered, 
and asking alms of him was never, for aught he showed, recognized or refused, and here, though I have entered as yet by but thirteen gates, I am recognized and reprimanded. And therewith she departed, and returned no more. Mitridanes, who accounted the mention of Nathan's fame as an abatement of his own, was kindled by her words with a frenzy of wrath, and began thus to commune with himself. Alas, what shall I attain to the grandeur of Nathan's liberality, to say naught of transcending it as I would fain, seeing that in the veriest trifles I cannot approach him? Of a surety my labor is in vain. If I rid not the earth of him, which, since old age relieves me not of him, I must forthwith do with my own hands. And, in the flush of his despite, up he started, and giving no one to know of his purpose, got to horse with a small company, and after three days arrived at the palace, where Nathan abode, and having enjoined his comrades to make as if they were none of his, and knew him not, and to go quarter themselves as best they might until they had his further orders. He, being thus alone, towards evening came upon Nathan, who, also alone, at no great distance from his splendid palace. Nathan was recreating himself by a walk, and was very simply clad, so that Mithridanes, knowing him not, asked him if he could show him where Nathan dwelt. "'My son,' replied Nathan gladsomely, "'that can none in these parts better than I. So it please thee, I will bring thee thither.' The young man replied that twould be mighty agreeable to him, but that, if so it might be, he had a mind to be neither known nor seen by Nathan." And herein also, returned Nathan, since tis thy pleasure, I will gratify thee. Whereupon Mitridanes dismounted, and, with Nathan, who soon engaged him in delightsome discourse, walked to the goodly palace. Arrived there, Nathan caused one of his servants to take the young man's horse, and drawing close to him, bade him in a whisper to see to it without delay, that none in the house should tell the young man that he was Nathan, and so twas done. Being come into the palace, Nathan quartered Mitridanes in a most goodly chamber, where none saw him, but those whom he had appointed to wait upon him, and himself kept him company, doing him all possible honor. Of whom Mitridanes, albeit he reverenced him as a father, yet being thus with him, forbore not to ask who he was. Whereto Nathan made answer, I am a petty servant of Nathan. Old as I am, I have been with him since my childhood, and never has he advanced me to higher office than this, wherein thou seest me. Wherefore, whosoever other folk may praise him, little cause have I to do so. Which words afforded Mitridanes some hope of carrying his wicked purpose into effect with more of plan and less of risk than had been otherwise possible. By and by Nathan very courteously asked him who he was, and what business brought him thither, offering him such counsel and aid as he might be able to afford him. Mitridanes hesitated a while to reply, but at last he resolved to trust him, and when, with no little circumlocution, he demanded of him fidelity, counsel, and aid, he fully discovered to him who he was, and the purpose and motive of his coming thither. Now, albeit to hear Mitridanes thus unfold his norid design, caused Nathan no small inward commotion, yet twas not long before courageously and composedly he thus made answer. Noble was thy father, Mitridanes, and thou art minded to show thyself not unworthy of him by this lofty emprise of thine, to wit, of being liberal to all comers. For that thou art envious of Nathan's merit, and I greatly commend thee. For were many envious of a like cause, 
the world, from being a most wretched, would soon become a most happy place. Doubt not that I shall keep secret the design that thou hast confided to me. For the furtherance whereof tis a mile off, thou may seest a corpse, in which, almost every morning, Nathan is wont to walk, taking his pleasure for quite a long time. T'will be an easy manner for thee to find him there, and deal with him as thou mayest be minded. Now, shouldest thou slay him, thou wilt get thee home with less risk of let, if thou take not the path by which thou camest hither, but that which thou seest issue from the corpse on the left. For, though tis somewhat more rough, it leads more directly to thy house, and will be safer for thee. Possessed of this information, Mitridanes, when Nathan had left him, privily apprised his comrades, who were likewise lodged in the palace, of the place where they were to await him on the ensuing day, which being come, Nathan inflexibly determined to act in all respects according to the advice which he had given Mitridanes, hide him forth to the copse, unattended, to meet his death. Mitridanes, being risen, took his bow and sword, for other arms he had none with him, mounted his horse and rode to the copse, through which, while he was yet some way off, he saw Nathan passing quite alone, and being minded before he fell upon him to see his face and hear the sound of his voice, as, riding at a smart pace, he came up with him, he laid hold of him by his headgear, exclaiming, Greybeard, thou art a dead man! Whereto Nathan answered not, but, Then tis but my desert. But Mitridanes, hearing the voice and scanning the face, forthwith knew him, for the same man that had welcomed him heartily, consorted with him familiarly, and counseled him faithfully, whereby his wrath presently subsided, and gave place to shame. Wherefore, casting away the sword that he had drawn in act to strike, he sprang from his horse, and weeping, threw himself at Nathan's feet, saying, Your liberality, dearest father, I acknowledge to be beyond question, seeing with what craft you did but plot, coming hither to yield me your life, for which... By mine own avowal, you knew that I, albeit cause I had none, did thirst. But God, more regardful of my duty than I myself, has now, in this moment of supreme stress, opened the eyes of my mind, that wretched envy had fast sealed. The prompter was your compliance. The greater is the debt of penitence that I owe you for my fault. Whereupon, wreck even such vengeance upon me as you may deem answerable to my transgression." But Nathan raised Mitridanes to his feet, and tenderly embraced him, saying, My son, thy enterprise, howsoever they mayest denote it, whether evil or otherwise, was not such that thou shouldest crave, or I give pardon thereof. For twas not in malice, but in that thou wouldest fain have been reputed better than I that thou ensuedest it. Doubt then no more of me, nay, rest assured that none that lives bears thee such love as I, who know the loftiness of thy spirit. Bet not to heap up wealth, as do the catifs, but to dispense in bounty thy accumulated store. Think it no shame that to enhance thy reputation thou wouldst have slain me, nor deem that I marvel thereat. To slay not one man, as thou wast minded, but countless multitudes, to waste whole countries with fire, and to raise cities to the ground, has been well nigh the sole art by which the mightiest emperors and the greatest kings have extended their dominions, and by consequence their fame. Wherefore, if thou, to increase thy fame, wouldest fain have slain me, t'was nothing marvellous or strange, but wanted. 
whereto Mitridates made answer not to excuse his wicked design, but to commend the seemly excuse found for it by Nathan, whom at length he told how beyond measure he marveled that Nathan had not only been consenting to the enterprise, but had aided him therein by his counsel. But Nathan answered, Liefer had I, Mitridanes, for thou didst not marvel either at my consent or at my counsel, for that, since I was my own master, and of a mind to that emprise whereupon thou art also bent, never a soul came to my house, but so far as in me lay. I gave him all that he asked of me. Thou camest lusting for my life, and so, when I heard thee crave it of me, I forthwith, that thou mightest not be the only guest to depart hence ill content, resolved to give it to thee, and to that end I gave thee such counsel as I deemed would serve thee both to the taking of my life and the preservation of thine own. Wherefore, yet again I bid thee, nay, I entreat thee, if so thou art minded, to take it for thy satisfaction. I know not how I could better bestow it. I have had the use of it now for some eighty years, and pleasure and solace thereof, and I know that, by the course of nature and the common lot of man, and all things mundane, it can continue to be mine but for a little while. And so I deem that twere much better to bestow it, as I have ever bestowed and dispensed my wealth, than to keep it, until, against my will, it be refit from me by nature. Twere but a trifle, though, twere a hundred years, how insignificant, then, the six or eight years that are all I have to give. Take it, then, if thou hadst leaf, take it, I pray thee, for, long as I have lived here, none I have found but thee to desire it, nor know I when I may find another, if thou take it not, to demand it of me. And, if peradventure I should find one, yet I know that the longer I keep it, the less it is worth will be. Wherefore, ere it be thus cheapened, take it, I implore thee. Sore, shame-stricken, Mitridanes made answer, Now God forfend that I should so much as harbor, as but now I did, such a thought, not to say do such a deed, as to wrest from you a thing as precious as your life. The years whereof, so far from abridging, I would gladly supplement with mine own. So then, rejoined Nathan promptly, thou wouldest, if thou couldst, add thy years to mine, and cause me to serve thee, as I have never yet served any man, to wit, to take from thee that which is thine, I that never took aught from a soul. I, that I would, returned Mitridanes. Then, quoth Nathan, do as I shall bid thee. Thou art young. Tarry here in my house, and call thyself Nathan, and I will get me to thy house, and ever call myself Mitridanes. Whereto Mitridanes made answer, Were I but able to discharge this trust, as you have been and are, scarce should I hesitate to accept your offer. But, as too sure I am that aught I might do, would but serve to lower Nathan's fame, and I am not minded to mar that in any other which I cannot mend in myself, and accept it I will not. After which, and the like interchange of delectable discourse, Nathan and Mitridanes, by Nathan's desire, returned to the palace, where Nathan for some days honorably entreated Mitridanes, and by his sage counsel confirmed and encouraged him in his high and noble resolve. After which, Mitridanes, being minded to return home with his company, took leave of Nathan, fully persuaded that t'was not possible to surpass him in liberality.
End of Day Ten. The Third Story.